Longhorn Nation, what's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Jonathan Davis, the voice of University of Texas football and basketball. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Longhorns your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I hope y'all went to Bet Online.net this weekend and made some money on the Super Bowl or whatever sporting events y'all decided to put your hard earned money on. So I hope that was uh, prosperous for you. Before we get into the episode today, make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Longhorns on YouTube. For exclusive content make sure you like the podcast give us five stars if you give us anything less than that i'm inclined to believe you're not listening hard enough make sure you rate us review us tell us what you think on today's podcast we'll be talking about the loss in waco to baylor by the texas men's basketball program longhorns wire ranks the 2022 football season the games from least difficult to most difficult I'll tell you where I agree on the list and kind of break down each game a little bit, tell you my early predictions on what's going to happen. And last but not least, we have to talk about the biggest football game of the year between the Rams and the Bengals in the Super Bowl yesterday and how good Mary J. Blige looked at halftime. I'm just playing. Without further ado, let's get into it. Longhorn Nation. So I thought that the schedule makers didn't do the Texas Longhorns any favors coming off that Kansas game to be off from Monday until Saturday. And I think even if they would have lost that game, you that's a game you have to dwell on all week. You have that bad taste in your mouth. But when you win that game, you're on campus. Everybody's telling you how great you are and you start to smell yourself a little bit. And Courtney Ramey talked about that after the game saying, you know, that Kansas game was our championship. And I think we can all agree that all the players that played on the court tonight were soft. You know, and anytime you hear that soft word when you're when you're dealing with college athletes or just athletes, period, it, it kind of opens your eyes a little bit. It, it, it rings the alarm, you know, because that's that's a, a, a tough accusation to put on anybody, um, especially athletes to call them soft. But I think when when a player of the team is, is calling the team soft himself, uh, that that shows you that they were really disappointed in their performance and, and felt like they could have gave a lot more. And I think as fans, we all think that as well. You know, it, it feels like they took five steps forward with that Kansas win, especially coming off the, the way they played in the second half against Iowa State. And if they took five steps forward, they took 10 steps back against Baylor. Uh, it was like Texas Tech all over again. And, you know, I might argue that it was worse. Uh, and, and Baylor's a great team. First of all, I just want to send out prayers to Jonathan Tanya Tachua, uh, JTT. We all saw the devastating injury at half court in the first half. I thought Baylor responded really well to that, but just prayers up to him. You never want to see that, regardless if it's the team you're rooting for or the team you're rooting against. So um, definitely prayers up for him. He's out for the season, and I hope he comes back strong uh, to Baylor next year uh, and play some good basketball. So um, I, the biggest key was in the, in the Kansas game and the Iowa State game, both games, Texas was able to score 24 points off turnovers in each game. And we noticed as a team that sometimes has struggled – uh, to get easy buckets. They don't get a lot of uh, buckets in transition. They do a lot in the half court, and um, they haven't been as proficient as some of the other teams on offense because of that. And in this game against Baylor, they only were able to score 12 points off turnovers. 
And conversely, Baylor had 15 fast break points and nine points off turnovers. So Texas is great in the half court, but Baylor did a really good job of making sure that Texas wasn't able to get into their half court defenses. And then when they were, I thought James Akinjo, who at times um, pretty much most of the game was the best player on the floor, especially in the second half. He did a really good job of, of penetrating, getting into the lane and then either making plays for teammates when he would draw two, that dribble penetration, dropping the pass off to the post or passing it back out and getting easy shots. Um, he had a, a, a lot of assists. And not only that, he was able to make some tough shots just himself getting into the lane. Uh, he had one layup where Timmy Allen was literally holding his right hand, fouling him. Uh, he was holding his right arm. And James Akinjo took the ball with his left hand, kind of adjusted in midair, controlled the ball. You could see him controlling the ball in midair, uh, kind of just threw it up with a little bit of touch and, and had a three-point play. So uh, Baylor, they, they just were really good. They shot 50% from the field. And we know Texas is one of the best teams defensively in the nation. But what you're playing against these great teams, you're playing against future NBA players, um, some of these players that are just super athletic, these top programs, you can't consistently rely on holding teams to absurdly low field goal percentages. So now we've seen Kansas shoot 58%. We've seen Baylor shoot 50%. And good offense is always going to beat good defense. And Texas only shot 33% from the field. And Texas is now, this is very concerning, one in seven when they allow more than 60 points. And you're just not going to beat a lot of teams, like I said, especially with future NBA players, uh, players of the caliber of the Baylor Bears. You're not going to beat them expecting them to, to hold, expecting to hold a team like that under 60 points. And, of course, they didn't with Baylor scoring 80. So, you know, as good as the Kansas win was, I think now your next two games are must win. They On Tuesday, they go to Norman to play Oklahoma. That's a game they should win. I think they need to go out there and win that game, at least by double digits. But I'll take even if they win by one, that's a game they need to win. And now I think the Texas Tech game is a must win as well. I said on the podcast last week, I mean, what does the Kansas win really mean if you can't go out there and at least be competitive, which they weren't, against a team like Baylor? And, and go out there and beat Texas Tech, I think you have to beat one of those teams and you definitely have to beat Oklahoma. Um, otherwise, you know, you and maybe they're a victim of, of their accomplishments, right? Like maybe we've raised the expectations for this team based on them beating Kansas. And I thought that was a game where Kansas largely beat themselves. I mean, they lost by three points, missed eight free throws, had eight more turnovers than the Longhorns. Um, and Texas got a lot of, of easy buckets just you know, off of those turnovers, once again, scoring 24 points in that game off turnovers alone, that was cut in half uh, to 12 against Baylor. So they they have to win uh, against Texas Tech. I think, in my opinion, they have to win against Oklahoma to validate what they were able to do against Iowa State and Kansas. I think, you know, and, and Chris Beard, he talked about last week, like the ceiling of this basketball team. You could tell he was very frustrated uh, ESPN cut to him a few times, <laughs> probably having some choice words for the players. There was an incident at the end where it may have looked like he he shoved a player. Um, but, I, you know, I think he brings that toughness and that intensity. And I think we see that on the defensive end consistently from the Texas Longhorns basketball program. And, uh, you know, Chris Beard also sent all five starters. I thought that was hilarious. He sent all five starters to the to the press conference after to to speak to the media. But. You know, I run through a wall for Chris Beard. I, I love I don't think Texas basketball is nearly in the position they are uh, today without him. And, you know, I, if he says that he felt like the team can handle success well and the team, you know, he was disappointed and felt like they could have done better. I wholeheartedly agree. And I know that every player on the basketball team that took the court on Saturday against Baylor 
feels the same way. So that was just a really tough loss. Um, they couldn't do anything on offense. Baylor did a really good job of switching, making it tough for them on defense. Texas could not get into the lane. And when they were able to get into the lane, a lot of times they would trap the post, make them pass it back out or just make things tough, uh, make them make quick decisions. And, and they forced them into a lot of mistakes, a lot of bad shots. Once again, they only shot 33% from the field while Baylor shot 50%. Baylor dominated them in every category pretty much. We've seen Texas almost every game. They win the turnover battle. And they were able to win the turnover battle in this game only by two. Um, but still, everything, I mean, they dominated them, out-rebounded them by 10. Just field goal percentage. They made more free throws. Texas, Baylor was just a better team on Saturday. And that showed in every facet of the game. Even this is a Baylor team that's dealt with a lot of injuries. They didn't have LJ Cryer. They lost JTT in the middle of the game. And somehow, somewhere, they still outclassed Texas in all three phases. So they're they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have to come out and, and beat Oklahoma on Tuesday, beat Texas Tech on Saturday, and continue to have to play Baylor again in, in a few weeks. Uh, but just continue to build on what they did against Kansas. But I think if they go out there and and they lose to Texas Tech and they lose to Baylor again. Um, and, and they don't, you know, find a way to, to be more competitive in these true road games is, it's, it's looking tough, um, for this team that now this is still a team that I think other universities and other programs don't want to see. It's going to be, still be a tough out, uh, for, for any team when you're going across, when you're across from that burnt orange and white with the way they play on defense and the talent and potential uh, that they have on offense when they're able, um, to, to get easy buckets, force points off turnovers. And, and be more proficient on offense. But when they play like they did against Baylor, uh, this, this looks like a team that might not even make it to the Sweet 16. So, you know, this is one, you know, against Kansas, they look like an Elite Eight team and, and a sneaky contender uh, to, to burst some bubbles and burst some brackets and make it to the Final Four. And then we see them against Baylor, and it's like, you know, here we go again. So we'll find out a little bit more about our favorite basketball team this week uh, against Oklahoma and in Austin, Texas and the rematch against Texas Tech. Coming up next, Longhorns Wire ranks the 2022 football games from least difficult to most difficult. I'll tell you where I agree and disagree. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fire coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline where the game starts. So Longhorns Nation, Kevin Borba of Longhorns Wire, he ranked the 2022 football games by difficulty. And some of these are anticlimactic. You could probably guess if you've seen the schedule, what would be their least difficult game, uh, according to Kevin Borba, and what would be their most difficult game. And there's some that are kind of in the meat, kind of in the middle uh, where I disagree. So we're going to run through this season this season and see you know how how much i agree with kevin so the first the least difficult ranked game like i said this one is anticlimactic and i think most of us would agree is week one versus louisiana monroe that's kind of where you come out 
Um, you, you know, you beat up, you feel good about yourself. You beat up on an out-of-conference opponent before you really get into some of your tougher out-of-conference games and then your Big 12 schedule. And so week one against Louisiana Monroe, that is a game that the Texas Longhorns should win by a 20-plus. If they don't, we definitely should be concerned unless Louisiana Monroe comes back and scores some meaningless uh, touchdown or field goal at the end. But that's a game that should thoroughly dominate, and I definitely agree that should be the easiest game on their schedule. Next they have, this is, of course, going to be funny because Texas fell to Kansas last year, but I do think they got this right in that their second easiest matchup of the year is going to be week 11 at Kansas. And, you know, Texas lost 57 to 56 last year to Kansas in the midst of a six game losing streak, their longest losing streak since 1957. But this is a game that they cannot afford to lose. If this program is is back to the level or getting back to the level that they think they should be on um, the level of prestige that this Texas football program holds, this is a game that they should win by double digits. They should win handily um, or at least just win, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's a one point win, a two point win, even though the committee looks at things like this for the college football playoff, this is a, a, they cannot afford to lose to Kansas uh, two years in a row. And I look for them to come out. Um, and have revenge on the brain and, and definitely take it to the Kansas football team in their home stadium. I don't think this game will be close. Of course, you know, I didn't think the game last year would be close either. So <laughs> that could be wishful thinking. Uh, but I think they take care of business this year at Kansas. So this one, you know, a lot of people um, would look at this with them losing to Kansas last year. They have UTSA at number 10, week three versus UTSA ranked ahead of Kansas. But this is a UTSA team. Um, that was ranked last year for a, a large part of the season. They were undefeated, but they were ranked, um, I believe, in the in the final polls. They uh, played really well in their bowl game. I, I think they lost, but UTSA is, is a sneaky team, and I don't think they'll beat Texas by any means, but I do think it's key that they kind of have them on this list above Kansas, uh, one of their Big 12 opponents. And, you know, UTSA, they quietly have, have done some really nice things with that program, and you know, I'm not going to say that's going to be a tough game for the Longhorns, but I do think it's interesting. They have them ranked above Kansas in terms of level of difficulty for that game. And, you know, anything could happen. Um, but I think Texas wins handily, but definitely a sneaky opponent in UTSA that could, you know, cause a few problems for the Texas Longhorns. All right. So the next one is going to be week five against West Virginia. I largely agree here. Uh, I don't think West Virginia is going to be really good. I think this is a game uh, that Texas shouldn't have too much trouble with. And so it's ranked as the ninth um, most difficult game on the schedule. Uh, and I don't really have any objections to that. Texas should win that game. It's at home. And that's going to be a game we're all disappointed Longhorns Nation if they lose. So no disagreement there. Next is going to be Texas Tech. Um, I've Largely agree, too. I just don't think that they have the horses to compete with Texas. I don't think they have the players, the athletes. Um, they're falling off a little bit. And in these rivalry games, I mean, it's the Big 12. You know, this is a, they beat Texas. Texas put 70 points on Texas Tech last year um, and when in a down year for, for the Texas football program. And we all expect them to be a little bit better this year. So I don't think Texas Tech will, will be that good. I, I think they, they kind of blow them out again this year. But, you know, you never know. With, with these rivalry games, these big 12 games, but uh, I kind of agree where Texas Tech is on the list. And, and I don't think that Texas should have any trouble with them. If, if we think that this is going to be one of the best teams in the big 12, I think that's a game um, they handle. 
uh, pretty easily, even though that game's in Lubbock. Week nine at Kansas State. Um, just continuing on, this is the seventh most difficult game on the schedule. Uh, not much to say here, not much to disagree with. I, I think that, you know, you can kind of shuffle Kansas State, West Virginia, and Texas Tech around just based on your flavor, who you think is better, who you think is going to be more competitive, who's played Texas the best in the past. But once again, with the ceiling that we think this football team has, with the talent they have on offense and the talent they brought in on defense, this game is at Kansas State, but that shouldn't matter. Uh, Texas should win this game pretty easily or just win this game, period, but but definitely should come out um, and make their presence felt against Kansas State. All right, so now we're getting into the top half of the schedule, the top six, and, and this is where it gets a little tougher. So week 10 versus TCU, this game is going to be at home. We do have Gary Patterson on the staff now, and I think that's going to be another reason why the defense takes a big step next year. Um, for the most part, outside of the last few years, Gary Patterson's defense is at TCU were always great. He was always able to get in some good talent. And so with some of the athletes that this Texas football team has brought in in their recruiting class um, and in the transfer portal and then, you know, players like DeMar being Overshine coming back, um, who's just a hell of an athlete at linebacker, I think the, the defense will be shored up even more. And so week 10 versus TCU, that's a game that's always given us trouble in the past. I'm not sure if it's just TCU or because of Gary Patterson and his um, pedigree as a coach, but I think Texas wins that game. Um, they may struggle with TCU just so they've always played them tough. But if not, you know, we're hoping that that, that game will be stress-free for us. Iowa State, I think they take a step back. They lost a lot of, of great players, especially on offense. They had a lot of seniors that they lost. And so um, Iowa State was ranked at times last year. And I think that they'll play Texas tough. You know, they, they're doing a good job at Ames. They brought in some really good recruiting classes. This game is for Iowa State, I guess, that you would you would assume. And, and this game is going to be in Austin, but Texas will take care of business against Iowa State. So now we're getting into the top four, and this is really where I disagree. So they have week six versus Oklahoma, the Red River rivalry at number four. And I, I just think that Oklahoma is always going to be one of the two toughest games on your schedule. And I don't want to spoil it yet if you haven't seen the schedule and get into the number one team on this list just yet. But I don't I don't agree with Oklahoma being number four. I mean, there are bitter rivals. We know anything can happen in that game at all times. Like I said, I think if they're not the toughest game on our schedule every year, they're going to at least be the second toughest. So I think they have Oklahoma down. I'm not sure if it's because of the departures of Lincoln Riley and, and Caleb Williams at quarterback and Lincoln Riley at head coach. Brent Venables has shown – um, what he's able to do as a defensive coordinator at uh, Clemson, winning national championships there. I thought when the recruiting class took a dip, when Lincoln Riley left, they did a good job of getting it back into the top 10 when Brent Venables came. So uh, to have Oklahoma fourth on this list, and, you know, I know Longhorns Nation, it, it sounds like I'm praising uh, the Sooners, which I'm not doing at all, you know, and, and I, I think Texas is going to win that game, but to say that they're the fourth toughest game on our schedule, I just completely disagree with that. And I think, you know, even for Oklahoma, that's 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 a little low. You know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, this is a Longhorns blog, you know, and so maybe there's a a little gamesmanship there, a, a little Red River, uh, a little Red River rivalry there, not giving Oklahoma credit. I get it for sure. Uh, but there's no way that Oklahoma is going to be the fourth toughest game on our schedule next year. If they are, that bodes really well for the Texas Longhorns. 
they have week eight at Oklahoma State ranked third. And Oklahoma State was really good uh, defensively. They bring back their quarterback and Spencer Sanders. But I just have a hard time believing that Oklahoma State. Now, this game is on the road. Um, but, you know, Texas against Oklahoma, that's not a home game, you know. So that's always going to be at the Cotton Bowl. Maybe the environment at Oklahoma State is why they have this game ranked a little bit tougher. But I have a hard time believing that Oklahoma State is going to be better than Oklahoma this year or that this Oklahoma State game will be tougher for uh, Texas than Oklahoma. I'm not saying that Texas is going to be Oklahoma State handily or they're even going to beat Oklahoma State. I do. Um, I said on the podcast last week in the, the Red River uh, crossover episode that I did uh, with John Williams from Locked On Sooners. So make sure y'all check that out as well. Um that Oklahoma State can beat anybody in the Big 12. They still have enough talent to do that, maybe to ruin another team season who has college football playoff aspirations. But I just don't think they're a better team than Oklahoma. Neither do I think the next team is on this list, which is Baylor Week 12 at home against the Baylor Bears. Now, Baylor did win the Big 12 championship last year. So I understand giving them respect and putting them at two. This is a team that was really good defensively. They came off of a two-win team and then kind of bounced back and, and won the Big 12. But they looked really limited in their in their game against their bowl game against Ole Miss. Matt Corral, the quarterback for Ole Miss, was knocked out in the first half, um, and they had to play a true freshman quarterback, and I think he threw a pick six, and then Baylor only scored 14 points offensively outside of that. And I'm not sure if Matt Corral doesn't play in that game, Ole Miss doesn't handle Baylor. So I don't think that Baylor is better than Oklahoma either. I don't think that they should be ranked at number two ahead of Oklahoma. I would put them over Oklahoma State, but I think Baylor at number two is a little high, but it's definitely going to be a tough game for the Texas Longhorns and a game they're going to have to win um, if, if you know, they have college football playoff aspirations. But I do not agree with them being at number two. I think Oklahoma is definitely going to be a tougher game for the Texas Longhorns than Baylor is. But once again, if they are not, that bodes really well uh, for Quinn Ewers, B. John Robinson, and the rest of this Texas football team. And I talked about some of these being anticlimactic. If you've seen the schedule, you already know who is at number one. Um, just kind of the gold standard in college football right now, even though they were the runner-ups in the national championship last year. And that's just the Alabama Crimson Tide. You have the returning Heisman winner and Bryce Young. Um, players like Will Anderson on defense. They uh, are just loaded. You know, they don't rebuild. They reload, even though they lost the national championship. They're coming in as the preseason number one team, as they should be one of the best teams in the country always um, since Nick Saban's tenure at uh, Alabama. And it's going to be tough. They are coming to Austin. Um, this is going to be a game where Alabama is going to be heavily favored. And, you know, Texas is is going to have to to show what type of team they are in, in week two at home uh, against Alabama and Sark's former team. But no question you know, he got this right. This is definitely going to be the toughest game next year for the Texas Longhorns on their schedule. Built Bar. Have you tried the Puffs, the Built Bar Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible favors. Yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. Mmm, so good. These are going to be your new favorite. I guarantee it. Mint brownie, 
coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious and it will be good for you. At Bilf Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, so really quick, just a little Super Bowl recap for y'all. I know we, we all watched the game and uh, a halftime show. First of all, a great halftime show, one of the best I've seen, one of the, the best from what I'm seeing on social media and just talking to friends, consensus, consensus one of the best. Um, halftime shows that they've ever put on so a really good job for them by that and sometimes when we analyze these games it's it's as simple as you think it's going to be and and the storyline coming into this game was how well was the offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals going to be able to hold up against the Los Angeles Rams in the first half it looked great and then Cincinnati came out firing on the first play of the second half with the 75 yard uh, touchdown to T Higgins it was controversial it did look like he threw down Jalen Ramsey by the face mask and they missed it. But, you know, the Bengals went up 20 to 13 at some point in the second half. And I knew at halftime when they were only up three points, once again, prayers to Odell. Uh, we saw that injury and and Joe Burrow at the end looked like he was playing on a torn something or a sprain something. So our prayers up to him. Hopefully we don't hear any bad news coming out about that in, in the next few days, but they, they were able uh, to, to stick around. They were only losing by three. At halftime, they came out and took the lead in the second half, and they were holding up pretty well against Aaron Donald and, and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. I mean, Ashawn Robinson, Greg Gaines, they just have some, some dogs. I mean, of course, you talk about Aaron Donald, who might be the best defensive player all, of all time, and if that's the last game we ever saw him playing in with the retirement rumors, he made it count. <laughs> he definitely made it count. He's double team, triple teams, it doesn't matter. He, he's just one of the best all-around, not even defensive linemen, all-around football players we've seen in our lifetimes and he's just an absolute animal. Um, and in the second half, you know, Joe Burrow was sacked seven times. I think he was sacked over 20 times this postseason. We saw him sacked nine times against Tennessee and the offensive line just wasn't able to hold up. And they started to dominate in the fourth quarter, the, their last five drives, they didn't score any points. And, and Matt Stafford, shout out to Matt Stafford out of Dallas, even though he went all the way to Georgia uh, to go to school, but, uh, he was able to get it done. And just on that last drive, it, it was Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup, your two best players. I think, you know, when Odell went down, Van Jefferson, he, he didn't give you a lot. They, they were taking away Cooper Cup. And then on that last drive, Sean McVay did a good job of just saying, we're going to go to our best player. We're going to win or lose throwing the ball to our best player. And Cooper Cup continued to make play after play after play after play until ultimately uh, he caught the fade. That, that was the difference. And then Aaron Donald went out there and closed the game. And so, like I said, sometimes it can just be as simple as you think it is. We said that it was going to be a really tough matchup. How would that offensive line hold up against the Rams defensive line? And and the Rams won that matchup and they were able to, you know, Cooper Cup was the best player on offense in the game. And even though T Higgins, shout out to him, he had a a really good performance. You hate to see that go to waste. And Aaron Donald uh, just proved, continued to prove that he's all world first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I hope that this not the last game that he played, but I completely, I mean, he, what he's seven straight all pros, three-time defensive player of the year, and now Super Bowl champion. There's really nothing left for him to prove, nothing left for him to accomplish. 
But, you know, it's tough. I know a lot of people say, you know, Joe Burrow is is, is really great, and he is. Uh, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think you have to seriously consider putting him in your top five at this point. Um, but it's tough. You know, we, we've seen Patrick Mahomes, where we all thought Patrick Mahomes would dominate year in and year out. At this point, he's still young, but he only has one Super Bowl. These things aren't – everybody isn't Tom Brady. These things aren't guaranteed. They're really hard to win. And we don't know if if, if Cincinnati – I thought they got some breaks this year. I think the Ravens – will will be a lot better next year. I don't think the Steelers are going anywhere if they get a quarterback. The Browns are still really talented. Then you have teams like the Bills. I think Justin Herbert is all world. The Chargers will be back. Um, I think the Raiders will be really good. The Broncos will be better. The Chiefs, of course, will be back. So we can't guarantee that Joe Burrow will be back in the Super Bowl anytime soon, if ever. We've seen some of the all-time greats only get to one or never get to any period. So somebody had to lose that game. I hate that it was Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. There are a few Longhorns. Um, on the team that lost as well to Wouzier, former corner for the Cowboys. I was rooting for him tough, but, um, you know, there's no guarantee that you can get back, but somebody had to win that game. Somebody had to lose it. And I'm so happy for so many of those players on the Rams, just seeing that raw emotion come out of Odell, seeing him cry on the sidelines. I mean, he's expecting the birth of his first child in the next couple of days. Van Jefferson's uh, wife went into labor during the game. Uh, so what a blessing for them. Um, to to win a Super Bowl and and then welcome a child into this world uh, within a span of a few days. But like I said, somebody had to lose, somebody had to win. And and I was happy for a lot of players on the Rams. And hopefully uh, this isn't the last time we see the Bengals on the big stage like this. But, you know, these things aren't guaranteed. And you got to take advantage of the opportunities that you have when you get there. And in the second half, that offensive line just couldn't protect Joe Burrow. They couldn't do anything on offense. And, you know, defense got enough stops. Aaron Donald was the best player on the field yesterday. And, you know, Cooper Cup made the play at the end. So Longhorn Nation, let me know what you think. Once again, uh, subscribe to Locked on Longhorns on YouTube. Rate the podcast, review the podcast, give us five stars. Anything less than that, like I said, you weren't listening hard enough. I'm just playing Longhorns Nation. Thank you for rocking with me. And as always, peace.